Welcome to the Successful Side Hustle. My name is Brandy, and I'm so glad that you're here today joining me in episode number three. Today's episode, I really just want to share from the heart a little bit about some of the obstacles that I have seen other women run into when beginning their own business or trying to grow their yoga business. And then I want to morph the podcast into talking about four ways that you can begin right now, begin today, that are actionable and that give you something to write down. On the last episode, I talked a little bit about creating a binder for your business and in that binder, dividing it up into five sections and those five sections will act as a filing system for for your um, f- for your loose vision board or for collecting data for your business. And those five um, those five categories were your ideal student, your technique and skill, your class delivery, your client results, and finally your permanence. But in today's episode, I want to give you a little bit more of a succinct idea of how to write your business plan. Okay, now this is just the first step. So this is not necessarily going to go into the fine-tuning details of anything. But the reason why I want to give you this plan in episode three is so that you can hold this plan loosely, just like your planning binder. You can hold this plan loosely so and and change it and shift it as you're growing your business in the way that supports your ideal uh, success, your ideal end game. Okay. Now, before I get started, I want to I want to share with you how it was that I first got into business for myself and what made me take that first leap into business entrepreneurship. My first marriage, I married a man who was really into this business, um, Amway. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this business, but it was pretty big. I think, I don't know if it was the 90s or what, really. I I don't know much about the business because he was in it when I married him and I didn't find out until after I married him. But he ended up taking me to these business conferences with him. And Amway was like this multi-marketing platform that I, I'm pretty sure like a ton of people did this. So it was, I think everybody made money. I don't think there was ever any big scandal or anything like that. I think it was, it was pretty legit, but it just wasn't my cup of tea. I, it, that kind of a system isn't for me, but what I got from this, this business that I tagged along with him for a little while is this. He took me to these business conferences and these business conferences were full of workshops and keynote speakers and all sorts of resources and information on how to become financially free and why owning your own business was the path to that freedom. Now this blew my mind because My parents never talked about any of this. Bless their hearts. They gave me a lot of great life skills, but business ownership wasn't on the radar or wasn't a discussion in our family growing up. In fact, growing up, I was really taught to be very frugal. I was 
I was taught to work hard. Definitely business, our work ethic was, was really big in my family. But, you know, I was taught that um, loyalty to your job was, was something to be admired and so on and so on. So I just had this completely different idea of what I would end up doing with my life. So roll back to these Amway meetings. I got to be in front of and listen to people like Zig Ziglar. And I can't, of course, now that I'm trying to think of their names, they're not going to come to me. But there are a couple other really big, at that time, business coaching um, speakers. There was a, a there was a man that wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And there was another man, His I think his first name was John something. But anyway, these guys were well-known nationally, maybe even worldwide. I don't know, but definitely nationally well-known and they were amazing. And for the first time in my life, I felt like someone was talking directly to me. They made me believe that I had what it takes to work for myself and to find that financial freedom that sounded so amazing. Can you imagine not having to go to work for anybody and just working for yourself? Well, my friends, let me just tell you that for most of my life, that's what I've done. When I say I'm an accidental entrepreneur, I'm not kidding. There is, there is nothing in my background that would have ever indicated that I could support myself by working for myself as a very young mother, as a divorced woman, as a single mother, and really just as someone who's had a lot of life thrown at them. How I've done this, I think, is a lot of grit, a lot of strategy, and a lot of God, to be, if I'm honest. But anyway, I digress. So going to these, these motivational uh, workshops really, really impacted me in in a deep and profound way and I believed that I could do it that led me to own my first business my coffee shops now those businesses were I look back now and I think well if I ever owned and opened another you know um, service industry that had to do with food or coffee or smoothies man i would nail it i would hit it out of the park because i made every mistake back then but i was still successful and i was successful because of what i'm going to share with you right now i think innately and i may have learned this in the amway conferences i honestly i don't remember i was so young this is back when i was like 25 so what I did was this. I had come to South Carolina and there were no places to get coffee. And I had a friend of mine who I taught with, um, taught fitness classes with up in Alaska. She owned a drive through coffee shop that was the hottest thing in town. And so I called her up and I said, hey, I'm thinking about opening a coffee shop. There are no coffee shops down here. So she invited me to go up to Alaska for a couple of weeks and spend time in her business and she was going to show me the ropes. And so that's what I did. I went up to Alaska for a few weeks and I spent time in her business. She showed me the ropes and then I was on my way. When I came back down to South Carolina, I right away 
got started on my business plan, even though I had no idea what a business plan was. I remember I was just like, okay, I know I need to write things down so that I can take it to a bank and I can um, also convince my husband that this was a good idea because he was doing this Amway business at the time and he was not supportive of me opening a coffee shop. You know, that was like out of the question, wasn't going to let me do it. So what I did was I started with my vision. I wrote down what it was that I wanted and I wrote down my end game. I essentially said, I want this, 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 and this. And in one of my, um, in one of my points in my, in my vision or my overall vision for the company was that I wanted to be able to be with my kids and not put them in a daycare because I, I hadn't done that at this point and my kids were with me all of the time. And so I really didn't want to have to put them in a daycare and I didn't want to have to go and get a nine to five job where, where that, would, that would be a requirement. So I really had some of my core values established in my vision even at that time and which helped me and gave me motivation in building this business. After I wrote out my vision, then what I did is I created an analysis. Now my analysis is not the same kind of an analysis that somebody who graduated with a business management degree would probably write out. I'll tell you that right now. But it worked for me and it worked for this business. What my analysis was, was I took I took a beginning number. Um, I don't remember what the number was at this time. I wish I would have kept a copy of that business plan. That would have been magnificent to still have and to kind of frame it and put it on my wall. But I took an end number and this was just going to be a random number and I worked backwards from it and I figured out, I broke everything down and I figured out how much each cup of coffee was going to cost to make including labor and including my fixed costs, such as my, um, you know, the things that I couldn't change, like my, my lease payment and so on and so on. And so I broke it down how much each cup, cup of coffee was going to cost in each size that I was going to offer. And then I literally Googled what should a coffee shop margin be and I think at that time, whatever I Googled, I think they said it was like, uh, I think your profit margin should have been something, I want to say maybe 10%. I, I might be making that up, but I think that's what my goal was. So then I, after I broke down exactly how much a cup of coffee was going to cost and the side work, I, I didn't mention this part, but I also had to go then and look up how much cups were going to be and how much milk was. And I always, I always, and I still do today, have estimated high. I take the highest price plus 10% and I develop my plan from that because I don't ever want to think that something is going to be um, one price and it ends up not being one price. So so I, I figured out the cup of the coffee and then what I did was I looked at what the industry standards were for what the profit margin should be, what labor budget should be, what overhead costs should be, and so on and so on. 
I'm going to make up numbers now. I'm not going to, this is not accurate, but I'm just going to make these up. So say that my, my overhead costs were 40%, my labor costs were 20%, my um, cost of goods maybe was like another 20 or 25%, something like that. And then, you know, you have taxes and all of that. And I think that was another 10%. So that's 40 plus 20 plus another 20, what is that? 80 plus another 10, that's 90%. That left me with my 10% profit margin. Now, I just made this up, and I think that's my point when I'm telling you about my analysis. I made this up based on a little bit of research that I did over Google and looking at a basic budget, essentially, and going to Sam's and Costco and finding some price lists for the product that I was going to offer. And from there, so that gave me a starting number. Now, did, were those numbers accurate? Probably not. But what it did give me was a framework to start from, as rudimentary as it sounds, it gave me a framework to start from. And it helped me understand many things like where my price points should be and how much I could pay somebody, how many hours a week I could offer an employee, and so on and so on. Once I did my analysis, that really gave me a good starting place. I felt really confident after that. So that motivated me and that made me feel very accomplished. After that, I wrote out my target and my plan. Now, my target and my plan was a little bit harder for me to understand, and I probably didn't, didn't get really good at this until much later, years later. But my target and my plan, my target was my timeline, and it was, okay, now I need to do step A, B, C, and D to hit this timeline goal, and then step A, B, C, and D to hit the second timeline goal. It could have looked something like this. Okay, I need to apply for um, my vendor. You know, I need to apply with my vendors to be able to get um, products delivered to me. I need to figure out how long it's going to take to uh, what the turnaround is, the lead time for my, my orders. I need to um, do this update on the little building that I had. And, you know, just the little things like that. Those were my short-term goals. So my first short-term goal essentially was to get open. But in that, I also needed to look at my running goals, like ordering and um, employment. So I, so I began to look at these targets. Now, these were, again, a lot more blurry than my analysis was. But because I had felt so confident with my analysis, it, I, I felt like I was doing everything right, <laughs> which I wasn't, but it's cool. Um, and then I just started doing the work. And I just got up every day and did the little things, did the little things, whether or not I knew if they were right or if they were wrong. Once I, once I did all of these things and I had my plan laid out and I was ready to go, I opened this business. And friends, let me just tell you something. Even though my analysis was silly when I look back and I think about it, I was making money in six months flat. 
because I was, my analysis, my numbers were so simple and they were so elementary that really you couldn't go wrong with them. It was like A and B, black and white. Keep it simple, silly, right? That use the KISS method. So the reason I'm telling you this story is because I want to encourage you to just do it. Create your vision. If there's cost involved and there's a monetary, if you're going to monetize your product or your classes, or you're even going to go work for people and ask for a certain class pay, you've got to analyze that. You can't just go out and charge whatever for whatever. You need to actually run some numbers. What, what, What is the time involved in teaching your yoga class? What does the yoga studio usually pay? And what do they pay for brand new teachers? What do they pay for experienced teachers? What is your background? Can you charge top dollar even though you only just graduated YTT? Maybe you shouldn't work for a studio at all. Maybe you should think about developing workshops and building a private client business, so on and so on. Create your target. Create your steps toward your short-term goals and your long-term goals. And then act on it. Get out there and hustle your plan. Okay. Where I see most women fail in this, and and I'm not talking about most, there's a lot of really successful business women, but most women that have come and talked to me about wanting to open their own business or wanting to, to make and replace their income and, and solely live off of what they make in yoga is that they don't have a plan, number one. Even if the plan is good or not, it doesn't matter. Have a plan. Or they get that analysis paralysis. They overorganize themselves out of their business completely. I think my business plan was like maybe five pages, honestly. Now, my business plan for my latest studio was probably 50 pages, right? So there's a big difference between then and now. But that sweet little business plan that I created was able to give me clarity and a direction from which to go. And even though it wasn't perfect, it was perfect for me at that time. And it worked. If I'm honest, I'm going to tell you it worked and it was fantastic. So if you are dreaming of building your business or opening a studio or doing something completely different, I want to encourage you to write out your vision. What specifically do you want? How much money do you want to make? Why do you want to do this? Write out your vision for the business. What is it? Who is it going to serve? And then start with your numbers. Write out an analysis. Just completely make it up if you have to. And then go back and revise it. You know, how much are you going to charge? You can start there and then work your way back and say, well, how much is it going to cost me? And if there's a conflict there, then adjust something. You look at, well, can I cut costs or can I charge more? Maybe you're charging way too much, you know, and nobody's actually going to pay that much for the service. That's the other part of pricing and, and analysis that you have to consider as well. Look at the industry standards And look at the time that you've got invested and see if those two things align. Set your your targets, your goals, your action steps towards those goals, and then execute. 
All right, friends, that is what I have for you today. A little encouragement to go out there, jump into the hustle, and just do it.